We are going to be talking about a subject that the Holy Spirit prompted me this morning. And it's entitled Soul Ties. Say Soul Ties. Soul Ties. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. Soul Ties. I want to give an example of what a soul tie is. See, you have a, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. We are a three-part being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, I pray that God would sanctify you wholly or completely in spirit, soul, and body. When you get born again, your spirit comes alive. And your spirit is made in the image and likeness of God. See, when you were formed, you were made in the image and likeness of Adam after the fall. Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. You were made in the image and likeness of Adam. But when you're born again, you're reborn into the image and likeness of the last Adam, Christ. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we want to get back to Christ in us, the hope of glory. We want to get back into the image of God. We're being transformed. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, from glory to glory into the same image. Your spirit man, you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, your spirit man is perfect when it is regenerated through the born again experience. If you've never been born again, simply say, I release myself, I, I confess my faults, I turn from my sin, I turn to you, Jesus, come in and make me new. I, I want to be born again. I want to go to heaven. I believe you died on the cross, were buried in the tomb, and on the third day you were raised again. I invite you into my heart. When you do that instantly, the born-again experience occurs. It's not a works thing. It's a grace thing. And when Jesus comes in by the Holy Spirit, instantly you're regenerated and you are born from above and your spirit comes alive. The light bulb comes on and God begins to work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Where do we work the salvation out of? We work it out of our spirit into our soul and into our body. Peter had the growth cycles in Christ and he's out cutting off a centurion's ear. He's, he's, he's denying Christ three times. He's rebuking the Lord but there comes a time after Jesus restores him. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my lamps, feed my lamps. Peter is so yielded and has worked out his salvation from his spirit man into his soul where he's no longer vacillating to and fro. But now Peter is so yielded to the spirit of God that the spirit has illuminated out of his spirit, through his soul, through his body, and his shadow is out healing the sick and casting out devils. How many want to get there? Well, one of the ways we can get there is by getting free from the things that have tied us down, bound us, and I like to refer to them as soul ties. Before we go any further, I want you to get this revelation. When you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. It's not a works doctrine. It is by grace you're saved, not of works, lest any man could boast. It is the free gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But there is a works that takes place. It's an overcoming work where we overcome our soul and we overcome our flesh by yielding to the Holy Spirit. And now he takes preeminence. See, we're led by the Spirit of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the mature daughters of God. Romans 8, 14. We're adopted into the family of God. We're born again. And now we mature from little children to young men to fathers in the faith, outer courts Christians, inner courts Christians, holy of holies Christians. We go from Believers, outer courts, 
to receivers, intercourts, to achievers, holy of holies. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And Galatians 1, Paul talks about when God revealed his son in Paul at the appointed time. All of a sudden, Paul turned into the man of God he was called to be. He thought he was doing God a service with his religion, out murdering Christians, quoting the word of God backward and forward, yet not knowing God at all. His soul was very powerful. He'd memorized the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy by age seven. Yet he's out killing Christians, thinking he's doing God a service. Paul had a soul tie to religion that caused him to do just the opposite of the will of God while thinking he was fulfilling the will of God. How many want to be free from every soul tie that they might be tied only to the Lord, be led by the Spirit of God, walk in mature sonship, and release Peter's shadow that the sick are healed and demons are cast out. And when people see you, they say, we know that one has been with Jesus. Soul ties. I want to give an example. Soul tie, a dog tied to a tree. Have you ever seen a dog that is in a backyard and he's a healthy dog with a healthy coat and he's all vibrant and he just wants to run, which he's been designed to do. And he'll run 20 or 30 feet and the leash will catch him around the neck and literally pull him off his feet. The dog is tied to the tree. He wants to run free, but he's limited because of a tie around his neck to the doghouse or to the tree. This is what a soul tie does to Christians. Your spirit man is free to run from the Lord, but your soul is tied to something and it limits you. See, because we're a three-part being, a trichotomous being, spirit, soul, and body, when you're born again, you are a third perfect instantly. Look to your neighbor and say, I see you're a third perfect. So God is going to work on the other two-thirds of us today. Is that okay? Okay. Soul ties can be formed through any of the following ways. Any of the following ways. Close relationships can cause a soul tie between two people. Male, female, male, male, female, female. And uh, it can be formed through vows at a sorority. In some sort of a career, you might take a vow that would tie you to that career or oath that you've taken. And they may not be bad oaths in perspective, but it might bring you into that system. And the healing power of God will be diminished on your life. Because anytime that oath that you took supplants, displaces, or supersedes the vow you've made in Christ, it will tie you to the tree and you'll be able to run only so far and that oath, that vow, that tie will tie you and keep you from going and doing all you're called to be in Christ. Starting to get some revelation, aren't we? Sororities, fraternities can tie you. Freemasonry. It goes on and on. Close relationships, number one, it can be two, formed through vows, commitments, and promises made by the words of our mouths. You could make a promise to somebody on their deathbed to try to make them feel better, and you're tied to that thing. Now, the good news is this. There's freedom. There's freedom. You can be free by simply repenting, renouncing, and then resisting that thing. Number three they can be formed through sexual intimacy. And so anytime we tie ourselves together outside of marriage in sexual intimacy, it creates a soul tie. There's a song, and I'm going to go ahead and share the words of it. And it's a song of 
a woman singing, I don't know if it's a country song or whatever, it says there's three people sleeping in my bed. Me, my husband, and the woman in his head. And so what happens is you can end up with soul ties through pornography, images, sexual relationships outside of marriage, and it will hinder you in your marital relationship and your marital union that God created as good because you're tied to the doghouse. But if you'll repent, recognize, repent, renounce, and resist it, God will set you free. And the rope will be cut and you'll be free to run for the Lord. And he will shine out of you. Soul ties can be formed also anytime you spend hours and hours with someone. So extended times, if you're a businessman, if you spend more time with your secretary than your wife, you might have a soul tie to the secretary and not even realize it. You may not be involved in a sexually intimate relationship. You may not be in sin in those areas, but what happens is you might end up tied to that person, you might share more transparently with your employee than you do with your own wife. Boom. Soul ties just connected. You need to disconnect and reconnect with your wife because that thing will tie you to the doghouse. Not all soul ties are bad. Not all soul ties are ungodly. Some t- soul ties can be good, godly, God-ordained soul ties. For example, Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 18, 1, Jonathan loved David like he loved his own soul. The word soul here is the word nephesh. It's the psyche, the mind, the will, and emotions. And Jonathan had a godly soul tie and allegiance with David who was anointed to be the next king while Jonathan's father was out trying to murder the next king who was anointed because he was jealous of him. And Jonathan was used supernaturally by the Lord to protect David from his own father who had an odious hatred toward him out of jealousy. And Saul tried to kill David 10 times in scripture. That's crazy. Well, I'm anointed to be king. Wow, the next anointed's here. Hmm, what do I do? Well, I can't seem to kill uh, Goliath. He's held everybody in fear for 40 days. Well, I recognize the anointing on his life. Here, let me give you my armor. Uh, Okay, that doesn't fit you. What are you going to work with? Uh, Oh, five smooth stones? You're only going to have one of them. Okay, that's okay. Boom, dead. Okay, good. Great. Okay, problem gone. What do you mean? Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. What do you mean that guy's 10 times more anointed than me? What do you mean people 10 times more popular than I am? Wait a second. I don't want to lose my position of authority. What do I do? Um, let me trip him up with my daughter. I'll give him my daughter in marriage. I mean, this is some, you think about the stuff that Saul did to maintain his leadership instead of recognizing somebody has a greater proportion of the Holy Spirit. How do we celebrate that? How do we take that person who's coming up in ministry and how do we nurture that, that they can be governors of Israel at a better level than us? that our ceiling in ministry or leadership becomes the next generation's floor, that it might release the kingdom of God on the earth. Well, we don't want to do that. Let's just kill him. I want to keep my position because it's all about me. It's all about me. And a soul tie will cause you to be tied to someone that is all about them, or you'll have the soul tie because it's all about you. The only reason you don't want to be freed from a soul tie is you either like it or you're deceived. You either like it or you've been deceived. And remember, a soul tie never does you good. It really only does you harm by limiting you from doing all you're called to be in Christ because you're tied to the doghouse. Dogs are outside the city. We're not dogs, we're sheep. They roam free. Follow the shepherd. The word soul is used 458 times in scripture in 432 verses. The soul means soul, self, life, creature, person, my appetite, mind, a living being, a desire, an emotion, a passion, 
A soul can also be uh, defined as that which breathes, the breathing substance or being, the soul, the inner being of man, a living being, a living being with life in the blood, the man himself, the self, person or individual, the seat of the appetites, the seat of the emotions and passions. Activity of mind, activity of the will, activity of the character of a person, the personality, the mind, the will, the emotions, the imaginations. It's all housed in the soul. So this is what God is trying to get under the control of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the enemy of our souls is trying to get connected to his activity. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, patience, temperance, long-suffering, self-control. Against the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law that the enemy can operate in. A soft answer turns away wrath, right? The works of the flesh are evident. Drunkenness, revelries, witchcraft, sorcery. It goes on and on and on. Fits of rage, anger. Giving somebody the Hawaiian good luck sign on the highway when they cut you off. And as you go past them with that Hawaiian good luck sign, as you go past them at 75 miles an hour, getting even with them, they see the fish on your bumper sticker. It makes them want to become Christians. They want to be just like you. It's a soul tie to revenge. It's a soul tie to self-will. It's a soul tie to the emotions or passions that are not in submission. Are emotions and passions wrong? No, not at all. Jesus says, I long to eat the Passover feast. The, the, the Greek word is actually lust. Lust can be a good thing when it's in alignment with God. Earnestly desire. I lust to eat the Passover. It was his last meal. It was getting him to the cross. It was going to be the last meal that he ate that strengthened him to go. So it's not always bad to have um, set your emotions or affections on things that are above Colossians 3, 2. So it's not bad to have emotions. It's not bad to have passions. But if they're not governed by the Holy Spirit, something else is attached to them. Is this making sense? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So the word has been used 458 times in scripture. The New Testament word is suke. And a person can be double-minded and unstable in all their ways. The word double-minded is double or dual suke. You're double-souled. Half your soul follows the Lord. The other half follows your own passions the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can always tell when a person's dual suke because one minute, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. He said, what? You're not going to let him get away with that, are you? This is what I'd do to him. See, the problem with the living sacrifice is the thing keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> we used to uh, see each other acting, you know, a little bit off. You know, and it wouldn't be demonic. It would just be soulish. See, because there's, 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 there's three levels. There's earthly, soulish, and demonic. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is from beneath. It is earthly, sensual, or soulish, and demonic. It has progression. It starts in the earth. Then it moves into your soulish man and takes you that way. And then a demon will attach to it. And cause you to go in if you're not careful and do some things that you're, you, you regret. And you think to yourself, whatever possessed me to do that? Yeah, hello. <laughs> and you think to yourself, how could I have done that as a Christian? Because you have a soul tie to something other than the spirit of the living God. We're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, the cunning craftiness of men. But God wants us to grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Walking in love and maturity. 
For the wisdom that cometh from above is first peaceable, pure, lovely, of good report. It is sown in peace of them that make peace, and it's easy to be received. When you go to talk to somebody for their own good, are you giving them the wisdom of God? Or are you giving them soulish, earthly, and demonic wisdom that you think is from above? Because it may be true, but it's not of good report. It's not virtuous. It's not praiseworthy. There's two ways to say it. There's more than one way to say the same thing. One way is, I can't believe you did that. What, what are you, an idiot? Wow, I can't believe you did that. You're so much better than that. You, you've been trained. What do you think caused you to do, that, do it that way this time? Do you see the difference? One is speaking life to the individual, calling them into their destiny and the new nature of Christ. The other one is pushing them further into their old nature out of works. And sometimes you got to break some things off of yourself and say, that's not who I am. That's not my identity. That's my old nature, but I've been born again. I may not be perfect in my soul and my body, but I'm perfect in my spirit. And that's the one who's going to lead me into all victory because he always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. I'm led by the spirit of God and I'm a son of God. Isn't that exciting? Okay. Jesus wants us to have a godly soul tie with him and his people. Dependent upon God, interdependent upon other members within the family of God. Not just dependent upon God, but interdependent. See, vertical dependency, and then out of that, he'll say, go to so-and-so. Connect with them out of horizontal interdependency. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another interdependently, even more as the day of Jesus' return approaches. It's Hebrews 10.25. But if we sin willfully after we've come unto the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, only a fearful expectation of the fire indignation that will destroy the adversaries. So here we've got, go to church, hang out with godly people. You're dependent upon God, interdependent upon the body of Christ. But if you want to be a fiery coal for the Lord, you need to stay with other fiery coals. If not, the coal will leave the charcoal of the fire. It will go off on its own. And it will go out. That's why we go hang out with other believers. Because if we don't hang out with other believers, we will hang out with something other than believers, which are non-believers that don't have the born-again experience, whose pilot light is not on, and they cannot do anything but pull the heat from us and cause us to become cold. So hang out with fiery coals. Catch the fire and get alone with God and catch the fire from heaven and also catch the fire with other believers. And how you do that is however God directs you or leads you. And if it's working for you, don't fix it if it ain't broke. And if it ain't working, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing today as you did yesterday, but somehow expecting a different result. Okay. Jesus wants us to have a godly soul tie with him and his people. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did it for us, didn't he? So when Jesus calls you to go to an evangelistic outreach or to go spend three hours in prayer and you've got Royals tickets, He says, forget the Royals tickets, even though they're winning this season. I think the last time they won was, what, 1985? I, <laughs> praise the Lord. Won that. 86, yeah. Anyway, here, here's the point. The point is this. And then, if you've been in church activities for months, and your brother-in-law comes in town, and he's got Royals tickets, guess what? God may be telling you to go to the Royals games and come out from the church and go bear some fruit in the world. This is about being led by the Spirit. A pastor friend of mine says, David, I had to cancel something on this uh, seminar I was supposed to be in. I'm like, what's going on? He says, 
I've got to suffer for Jesus at the Royals game. And I looked at him and I said, really? I said, tell me a little more about that. And he says, well, I've got so-and-so's coming in town, wants to go to the Royal game, got tickets. They're not saved and I'm supposed to go into the world with them, this and that. And I said, you know what? That's a wonderful thing. You know, I was at the Royals game a couple of weeks ago. God ministered to a woman at the Royals game and the person that brought me the tickets, uh, their, their hearing loss in their ear. In the seventh inning, we went outside, popped the finger in the ear, made the commands. Instantly, God healed them. So the boat is in the water. Say, the boat is in the water, but the water is not in the boat. You're the boat. You float out into the water and you catch the fish and bring them in. But don't let your boat sink. Okay? And if you get a hole in your boat, get back to shore quickly. <laughs> Amen? Okay. So, Maxim, we can't experience true holiness until we experience wholeness. We can't experience true holiness until we experience wholeness. W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S. To be whole, complete. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God sanctify you wholly, completely in spirit, in soul, in body. May he completely sanctify you holy of holies, inner courts, and outer courts. May he wholly sanctify you in Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan land. May he wholly sanctify you on things seen, things revealed, and things that come supernatural by revelation. We can't experience true holiness until we experience wholeness. A fragmented soul causes us to miss the mark. Jesus came to make us whole. Your faith has made you whole. The word for salvation is the word sozo in the Greek. And there's another one, soteria. Those two words mean deliverance, healing, salvation, prosperity in spirit, soul, and body. Jesus came to make us whole. He comes to cut the ties that bind us. He wants to liberate us and all we've been called to be. Here's an illustration a friend of mine used to give. He said, David, the Lord revealed to me that the world is the wide road and the kingdom is the narrow road. And I thought to myself, wow, what a great revelation. You know, it's right there in the Bible, you know. And so he says, but here's what the Lord revealed to me from that passage. All of a sudden, my ears were open. He said, the Lord showed me that it's just the opposite of what it looks like. He said the wide road is like a big funnel. And the big funnel is the easy side to get in. But the farther you get into the world, instead of having more liberty, you've got more limitations. Because now you've got the lies, you've got this, that, you've done this, you've got things to hide from. Oh, I gotta and you get further into the funnel and you go into the low little end and now all of a sudden, you're bound. He said, the kingdom of God is just the opposite. He says, come in the narrow gate. He says, but when you come in the narrow gate and you let those things off, all of a sudden, the farther you get into the kingdom, there's more liberty than you ever had. It's an upside down principle. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. If you want to be humbled, exalt yourself, Jesus says. You want to be prosperous? Release that which is in your hand and sow seed. You want to lose everything or be miserable? Keep everything. Be selfish. And so these are the upside down principles. So I thought to myself, my gosh, what an incredible revelation on the narrow gate that leads to everlasting life and the freedom of the kingdom. My brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Just don't use your liberty as an occasion for 
the flesh, but by love serve one another. How many of you, when you've done an act of random kindness for somebody, it just makes you feel good? And you look at what it costs you versus how you feel. You're thinking to yourself, my gosh, a Valium would not have done that for me. A drink would not have done that for me. A night out on the town would not have done that for me. But releasing what was in my hand into that individual on a random act of kindness that I don't even know caused me to be, I just feel good. Because it's good for your soul to esteem others better than yourself. And showing kindness unto those in a lesser position than you, Scripture says, will cause your iniquities to be broken off. People say, how do I get free from iniquity? Not sin. Sin is missing the mark. Iniquity is a bent, crooked nature in us that causes us to shoot with the bent arrow and miss the mark. The one way to get free biblically from iniquities is by showing kindness and mercy unto others. Wow. Okay, example. We can't experience true holiness until we experience wholeness. A fragmented soul causes us to miss the mark. Jesus came to heal us in our soul, to make us one. Example, Luke 17, verses 12 through 19, as Jesus entered into a certain village. Luke 17, verses 12 through 19, as Jesus entered in to a certain village, there met him 10 lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. They got a physical healing. Say physical healing. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. The tithe always comes back. One out of ten. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Samaritan. So he was a half Jew, half Gentile. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God except this stranger who's not even a full-blooded Jew, but he's a half-breed, half-Jew, half-Gentile, rejected by the Gentiles because he's half-Jewish, rejected by the Jews because he's half-Gentile. He's in no man's land, and he's the only one that came back and sought Jesus for his heart not just for what it was in his hands. Are you seeking Jesus today for what's in his hand or what's in his heart? If it's in his heart, you've got what's in both his hands that'll wrap around you in love. If it's just what's in his hands, you'll get your healing and move on and most likely run into another situation later on where you'll need Jesus again. Were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? There are not found that return to give glory of God except for this stranger. Jesus said to him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. Greek word, Strong's 4982, sozo, meaning to save, keep safe, sound, to rescue from danger and destruction, and to prosper one, spirit, soul, and body. Coming back and giving Jesus thanks when he answers your prayer does something deeper in your soul. Luke 8, 43 through 48, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. The HMOs couldn't do nothing for her. Medicare and Medicaid, the copay. She was in the donut hole. She was on the pharmaceutical meds. The doctors couldn't even explain why they combined them. Why am I on this one? I, I, don't, I don't know. I've only got six minutes with you. All right, next. Here, here's the bill in the mail. She came behind Jesus and touched just the 
border of his garment, and immediately the issue of her blood stanched it, dried up. Luke eight forty five, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Jesus, the multitude throngs you and presses after you, and you ask us who touched you? There's hundreds and hundreds of people here. And Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue, dunamis, power, dynamite working power, the power of the Holy Spirit to heal and to deliver went out of me. No one else touched me with faith, but when that person touched me, I felt the power go out. Jesus said, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden anymore, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, see, she came back. She didn't just get her healing. She came back and announced what she'd done. See, really what she'd done was sin in the natural because she's a Jew, she's got a blood issue, and she goes and touches a rabbi with a blood issue, which would have made him unclean. It's a violation of religious law, the 613 Levitical laws. She'd have been ostracized and castigated by the Pharisees and the Sadducees for this. But this is what she said. I've done everything I can to get healed. If this Jesus, if he's really the Messiah, if he's the one prophesied in the Old Testament with healing in his wings, healing in his names, if he's Jehovah Shalom, I'll have peace. If he's Jehovah Rapha, I'll have healing. If he's Jehovah Shirah, provision. If he's really the Messiah, he's God in the flesh. He's the fulfillment of the law. There's no way I can make God unclean. Only can he make me clean when I touch him. And she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And instantly virtue went out of him. Dunamis power because light is so much greater than darkness. In the Old Testament, the priests would have to stay away from the sinners because they would be fearful that they would become unclean by being around the people. But in the New Testament, he said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel and these signs will follow you. We're not to be afraid of the world. We're to go into it with boldness because light casts out darkness. In the Old Testament, they went to the temple of God once a year to call on the name of God because his name dwelt there. His Shem, his honor, his position, his authority, his power, his attributes, his nature. And they would go and they would say, oh my gosh, I need to get off Prozac. I need to get off anxiety medications. I'm going to call upon Jehovah Shalom. And when I call upon the name of God, the nature of God, his power will be released and I'll be delivered. I'm lacking provision. I need business ideas. I'm going to go call upon Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And when I go and I call on the name of God, that attribute by that name will be released by wisdom or understanding. In the New Testament, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus in bodily form. There's no other name given whereby men must be saved. In the Old Testament, you had to know the 333 names to call on. In the New Testament, under grace, he says just Reduce it to one. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether in heaven or on earth or beneath the earth, and they will confess that I am Lord. Just hit the Jesus button, and it encompasses all of my attributes, all of my character, all of my position, where I'm seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. You call on my name, you're seated with me, looking down. At the circumstances where before people had to go to the temple of God once a year to call upon the names of God based upon their need. Now he says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of God dwells in you? And in my name, you'll cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and you will recover. The Old Testament people went to the temple of God to get a touch from the name of God. Now in the new God's reversed it. He's sending the temples into all the world to release his name of healing signs wonders deliverance those that have turned the world upside down are no longer hiding in the temple in prayers those that have turned the world upside down have come here too 
in the name of Jesus, signs and wonders are released. The authority, the position, the honor. We know they've been with Jesus because they do the same work. The same works that I do will you do, Jesus says, because I go to the Father. Even greater works than these. Jesus' shadow never healed the sick as recorded in the Gospels. Yet Peter's shadow heals the sick because it's Jesus by the Holy Spirit in him shining brighter. After he set people free from the soul tie of religion and bondage and from the Adamic nature through the born again experience with the nature of Christ freeing us. We go through the narrow gate to get into the big kingdom. We no longer go through the wide gate to go into the small kingdom. And he said unto the woman who touched him, who was healed immediately, he said unto her daughter, be of good comfort. See, she was healed immediately, but when she came back and revealed all, he says, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Thank you, Jesus. Soul ties is a bonding together, a knitting together of two souls and mind, will, and emotions. Knit means to bind up, to join together. Ungodly soul ties are bad. These are an unholy covenant with another person based on an unhealthy emotional and or sexual relationship. This covenant binds two people together. God honors or recognizes these covenants. He leaves us free to decide when and if we will appropriate his provision to break or cut these ties and release both people, both people into their destinies. How many want to be free to move in your destiny in Christ? It takes us freeing others to move in their destiny and stop trying to control people. A godly soul tie can exist in a healthy parent-child relationship, a balanced close friendship, intimate healthy marriages. They are a blessing from God. They create unity and strength where one can put a thousand a flight, two can chase ten thousands. Most common ungodly soul ties are found in 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 16. Fornication and adultery results in ungodly soul ties. Do you not see and know that your bodies are members of Christ? B, unhealthy emotional soul ties, boyfriend, girlfriend, first love, even if no sexual relationship happens. You could still be tied to your first love even though you're married to somebody else. And here's one of the things you'll find you're saying. If I'd only married so-and-so, break that soul tie. You're not married to them. Get free. You're married to your husband or you're married to your wife. You're not married to them. It didn't happen. Break ties with it. Get over it. Because that's not who you're married to. Thank you, Jesus. Child parents, child becomes a surrogate mate. Or parent continues to control child, not allowed to leave home. This often results in hatred, rebellion, unforgiveness, or bitterness. Offshoots of these root include drug use, alcohol abuse, alternative sexual lifestyle, or anything the parent told them not to do, they begin to do out of rebellion because there's a controlling, manipulative mother or father that controls them with words, with finances. Genesis 2.24, For this cause will a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. If you're married, stop running home to your parents. That's not your home. And parents, stop accepting your child. Now, if there's physical abuse, that's another story. They have, they have a tiff or a fight or a disagreement over the color of the carpet, and they're going to run home and spend three days with you. Lock the door, send them back to their spouse. They can work out the color of the carpet. I mean, it's a friend of mine. He and his wife have been married 40 years now, five kids. They had an argument when they were first married, first year. The daughter, the, the wife, she goes back to the parents. He says, opens the door. What are you doing here? Well, I had a fight with so-and-so, this and that. I'm going to, I want to stay the night. And 
You can't stay the night here. Daddy, what do you mean? I've still got my room up there. He says, that's not your room anymore. Wait, wait, did you rent it out? What you? No, no, it's not your room. Your room is at your house with your husband. I was at your wedding. I gave you away. For this cause will a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's for the woman also. You left, you leave, and you cleave. If you leave and don't cleave, or if you cleave and don't leave, that's not a biblical marriage. You need to get that thing right. You still have a soul tie to your bedroom and mommy and daddy. You need to leave and cleave unto your husband. You, has he hit you? No. Has he abused you? No. Well, what was the argument over? Okay. Go home. To your husband. And he shut the door in her face. She was crushed. It was raining. She goes home in the rain. She goes back to her husband because the words of her father were true. It was tough love. She said, we worked it out. It was, and we laugh about the issue. It was a non-issue. She says, we're, 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 we're in a wonderful, happy, godly relationship as role models for our children today. If my daddy would have let me back in the house that night, I wouldn't be married today. And I'd be a statistic because I would still have had a soul tie to mommy and daddy. I would have cleaved unto my husband, but never left my mommy and daddy. We're to leave and cleave in our marital relationships. Matthew 19, five through six, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Divorce rate in the church, I think is statistically 51% right now. And I believe this is a big, a big portion of the problem is soul ties. Any friendship where the motivation of a relationship is impure can create a soul tie. All of these hinder relationships with God and with others. It's a type of idolatry. It creates A, an emotional dependency, B, control, C, manipulation, D, confusion, unhealthy soul ties concerning alignment with false teachings can keep you from Keep you tied to the doghouse. Well, I, you know, I, you know, we don't believe in tongues. You know, I, I'm, I'm from a denomination where, you know, they just they call it an ecstatic utterance of the flesh and could be demonic. Well, you won't get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues because you have an alignment with a false teaching. Same way with healing. And if you do get one, you'll denounce it, you'll renounce it, they'll talk you out of it. People will come into our fellowship, get healed, get filled with the Holy Spirit. They'll go back to tell their testimony in their church on a Wednesday night at the prayer meeting and the, the, the person governing the prayer meeting will look at them and just stare at them. That's right. And just stare them kind of down. Just kind of stare them down. And everybody will fall silent because the person in the pulpit's the barometer. And nobody wants to mess with the barometer, right? Because they'll be kicked out of the synagogue too. And we've got soul ties to our denomination. We're third generation here. We don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. And so while the person sharing their wonderful testimony of a healing of a three-year chronic problem that they pray for every week, but nothing happens, and because it happens somewhere else than their church, and they've gone to every doctor, and they're none the better, but only the worse, but they step outside, and it happens at a Royals game when they're being spiritual. Go. Here's what happens. The person looks at them. Then kind of looks, wait, does anybody else have anything to share? If we're going to go ahead and move into the prayer time. And, and, and the person will be standing there alone like, I just gave a test. And they'll kind of like sheepishly sit down. And it'll be, that'll be it. We don't want to give God glory. Because they have a soul tied to a false teaching. That it's God's will that you be sick. Even though Jesus died on the cross. Okay, that's a whole nother thing. So an unhealthy soul tie concerning alignment with false teaching, it can come out of a Masonic order. I, I just did uh, an eight page, I ran through a bunch of stuff just to see if there was anything Masonic in my bloodline. You know, you can do these things, run through them just to see if anything lifts off. There was one thing regarding uh, finances in my bloodline that lifted off the page and got that thing broken. So if you don't know, it's okay to go through and we've got teachings and things you can read through and we can get you with somebody to get these things broken because there's only two reasons you don't want to be free. One, you like it or two, you're deceived and you're in bondage and it's fearful. You don't know if you can be free 
That's why abused women go back to an abuser. That's why a child, when they're abused and they come out of the emergency room, physically abused, here's what happens. You know who they run to statistically? They run to the one who abuses them. That's how police can often tell who's abusing the child because they run to the one that beat them up because they want to protect them so they don't get beat up and doesn't beat up mommy or, or whatever it is. That's, that's not an absolute, but statistically. Google it. Okay. I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. But this is why women that are abused go back to an abuser. They get free, they come, but they go right back because they have a soul tie that's unbroken. And you can't fix a problem externally that needs to be fixed internally. Uh, vows made, sororities, fraternities. You can have a soul tie with your football team. There are people that know more about scores around the league, their football team, the names of their players. They've got more memorabilia on their wall about the football team than they do about Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with the football team. I like a good football game. I believe God's into football. I know he's into baseball. It says it right there in the big inning. So he starts off with... Okay, that's it. Okay. Vows made sorority. You know what? You can have a soul tie with your city. I'm from, I'm from Tuscaloosa, Minnesota, you know, wherever. It doesn't matter. I'm from Chicago, you know, or I'm from Kansas City. Kansas City, Kansas City, here we come. You know, so there's nothing wrong with having pride from where you're from, but when it supersedes where you're going, that's a problem. See, because you're born from above. Here's what happens. Lot's wife had a soul tie with Sodom and it cost her her soul. You want to know where your soul will go? Wherever it's tied to. Say law. Your soul will go wherever it's tied to. Still want to be tied? To anything other than Jesus? Legalistic church is a soul tie. Religious strongholds, bondages, or guilt. Transferred allegiance from God to a list of legalistic do's and don'ts. Galatians 3.1. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Did you receive the Spirit of God by grace or by works? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has put a spell on you? Who has witchcraft bound you? Who has caused you to switch your allegiance from Christ back under some Judaizing doctrines of demons that Christ died on the cross to set you free from? The fruit of witchcraft is this. It's three arms. Domination, intimidation, and manipulation. Anybody who dominates you when you go try to buy a car on a car lot, had a minister call me the other day. We ate breakfast. He said, David, he says, I went by and to look at this, uh, this van. He says, I saw it on the car. Guy comes out and he says, when he comes out, I hear the demon in the realm of the spirit say these words. I'm a deceiver. <laughs> and he says, the guy comes out and he smiles. He says, hi, I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you. And he says, are you looking at that vehicle? He goes, you know what? I, I was, but I realized it's not exactly the one I want right now. And he said, I got my vehicle and drove off because that guy. So be, because this guy's a prophet, he heard the spirit behind the person announce himself as a deceiver. And when the guy and the guy had the same look, manipulation, intimidation and domination, used car sales, new car sales. I'm telling you something. One of the greatest pits of witchcraft was serpents. And I'm not against car sales and I'm not against used car. And not everybody's that way. I'm just letting you know, this is the last day that if you leave the lot, We'll never give it to you for this price again. Leave. The, the Holy Spirit leads, he guides, he directs, he prompts, he occasionally prods. The devil drives, he forces, he manipulates, he intimidates. And here's what's going to happen. Fear of loss doctrine doesn't work on Christians because we don't fear the loss because God is our provider. You walk off that lot, they'll call you back and they'll give it to you for 1500 cheaper. My dad walked off a lot several years ago 
And they called him back, and all of a sudden, 1800 we're going to take it off. Wait a second, I thought that was the lowest price. Well, we're going to actually give you upgraded seats and all this other stuff. The point is this, when they tell you that this, it's manipulation, it's the same way in all kinds, it, it happens in the medical field. I'm not against the medical field. I'm not against used car salesmen. I'm not against new, I could touch on the political arenas, but we won't. Read my lips. I'm not lying to you. I'm a deceiver. <laughs> so here's the thing. A tree is known by its fruit. Good root, good fruit. Bad root, bad fruit. In the experiences that you've had in the church, in business arenas, is there good fruit or bad fruit? I don't care whether they're Christian or non-Christian. If they've got bad fruit, it's because they got a bad root. They have a soul tied to something other than the Lord. Do you have good fruit? Do you keep your word? Let's make it about us today. Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Soul ties with the dead. A lost parent, a child, a spouse, or a close friend must be broken even if it was a godly soul tie and a healthy relationship. They've gone on to be with the Lord. You will see them again. That's not that we don't honor them, but we do not have a soul tie with a person who's dead. It can lead to visitations of false spirits posing as the person. And people come to me. My daughter came to me the other night. I'm like, really? What did they say? They said this, this, and this, and I'm supposed to divorce, you know, my husband. And I'm like, okay, right. That's right. I said, devil. <laughs> well, how can you say that? I'm not going to sit under your pastorship. That was mean. I'm sorry. The wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Somebody called me not too long ago and they had been doing 1-900 psychic lines or whatever or some program and this and that and they're Christians. And so I, I, there's two ways to say the same thing. I said, well, why don't we go before the Lord in prayer and ask to see if what you're doing is biblical, anti-biblical, or extra-biblical that would fall into that category because it's, it's by the fruit, you know. So we prayed and then I read one verse out of Isaiah 8. 18 and 19 and it dealt with speaking to the dead to the law and to the prophets should not a person seek to their god for if they do not speak according to this word there's no light in them the power of god hit the person on the other end of the phone now i already knew the answer to the question but instead of being brutal with the letter of the law that kills we just ran through a nice teaching we prayed and I read one verse and the power of God set them free. And so there's different ways to say the same thing. There's different ways to say the same thing. Truth apart from love. And so fruit would indicate that it was from the kingdom. You can say the right thing the wrong way and it not have good fruit. How to break ungodly soul ties. You want to know that one? Okay. So we are going to break ungodly soul ties and we're going to close out. Be sure to explain to the one breaking the soul ties that you only wish to break the ungodly soul ties. How to break ungodly soul ties. We want to make sure that we only break ungodly soul ties not because there are godly soul ties and we want to filter between the two. Okay? So we repent and we confess and forgive ourselves and the person who bound us. That soul tie can come in a number of different ways and we've talked about those. We break the tie and renounce it and then break any sexual soul ties or bonds or mental soul ties or bonds to that thing. We can break the generational sex sins resulting in curses if applicable. If you had a mother, a father, a grandfather, a grandmother who was promiscuous, even though you, you had a bent toward that, it's in your DNA and it needs to be broken out. So repent all the way back to Adam for any sexual soul ties or sexual sins and all of a sudden you'll be free to make right decisions. It doesn't mean you necessarily will make right decisions. But now you have freedom because you're no longer tied to the doghouse. You can still run into the pig pen and get tied up again, but you're not tied to the pig. Are you with me? See, because the difference between abstinence and deliverance is this. Abstinence is you abstain, but you still want to. Deliverance is you've been set free. You don't want to anymore, okay? 
Rebuke and bind any demonic spirits, tormenting spirits, guilt, shame, divination, or witchcraft. Renounce and cancel the assignments of all evil spirits sent to attempt to maintain the ungodly soul tie. Spirit of jealousy, control, confusion, or codependency is a big one. Get free from codependency. Get free from it. Say, Lord, I just renounce codependency, and I don't want people to be codependent on me. Sometimes people will call me. They'll become codependent on me as a pastor or a prayer warrior or this and that. I'll have to send them to voicemail for a while so they can get dependent back on God. I'm not your pocket prophet that you pull out of your pocket and dial me on the phone. The emails that we get off uh, the Internet from YouTube where people, I mean, they want me to come in and clean house on all their relatives and this and that. I'm, you don't attend this congregation. But if you did, we would bring them in one at a time and take them through. But I'm not flying to Canada to do this. There's a pastor in Canada who's just as gifted and anointed, if not more than me. Ask the Lord to lead you to that person or to the person in Vermont or Florida or wherever. You can get our CDs and, and, and get equipped online. You can watch on virtual church. But if you want me to fly into your city to do a house cleaning on your family, we need to be in relationship of some type. Because this congregation doesn't fund me to go to Canada to your house. I'll go to their house. Amen? But there's a pastor there for you. And if you can't find one, ask the Lord to send one or get equipped through the materials that we provide at eagleheartfellowship.org on the shop and store link or watch the virtual church until you can do it yourself. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So renounce and cancel all the assignments. Break any vows that you might have made. And this thing on the vows, I'm telling you, it can be sorority, it can be fraternity, it can be, just ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Call back every part that was given away. This is a big one, because a fragmented soul means you've shared your soul with somebody and you're fragmented through a soul tie. When I did this the first time, it dealt with an area before I was born again, and I had to renounce and break those soul ties and send anything that had connected with my soul back to them so that they could be all they can be in Christ and call anything that I'd given away a piece of my soul through a union back to myself so that I can be all I'm called to be in Christ so Peter's shadow can shine out instead of being locked inside with the windows shut and the drapes drawn. Right? Call back every part that was given away, every emotion, every will, and every thought that was part of the bond through the blood of Jesus. We want it to come back through the blood of Jesus cleansed so we don't get it back uncleansed. And so it comes back sanctified. H, release the person by sending back all that was taken from them, every emotion, every will, every thought through the blood of Jesus so it go, goes back sanctified and they are made whole now in the name of Jesus. Release the person by sending back all that was taken from them, every emotion, every will, through the blood of Jesus, so it goes back sanctified. Pray healing over their mind, their will, and emotions, and ask for memories and all memories to be cleansed in them, in the name of Jesus, that they get renewed in their minds supernaturally, and ask God to do the same for you. And then begin to thank the Lord like the woman who came back, or the leper who came back, begin to thank the Lord for wholeness, holiness, and grace. Example, prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you in complete trust. I repent of wrong choices, wrong choices I've made in relationships. Forgive me for entering into ungodly soul ties for emotional and sexual sins. I choose to forgive each person that I've been involved with in any ungodly way. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for my sin that resulted in an ungodly soul tie. Lord, I renounce and break any vows or promises made and ask you to forgive me and release me from them. Lord, please wash my mind from all memories of ungodly unions. Make me free to give myself to you and to the one you've chosen for me in marriage. Lord, I receive your forgiveness and thank you for forgiveness and cleansing now in the name of Jesus. I choose to forgive myself. This is a big one. 
I choose to forgive myself. Guilt, shame, and condemnation are not from the Holy Spirit. They're from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from evil. I choose to forgive myself and no longer be angry at myself. I no longer hate myself or punish myself. People go into bad behavior because they're punishing themselves. Lord, I speak, I speak, Billy Bob, Sarah Jane. Oh, we do our own name. I, David, break the uncodly soul tie with Sarah Jane or Billy Bob or whatever. And by faith in you, Jesus, I release myself from him or her and I release them from me through the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would cause this individual to be all that you want them to be and that you would cause me to be all that you want me to be in Christ Jesus, in the new nature, made in image and likeness of God Almighty. I renounce and cancel and break all the assignments of every evil spirit attempting to maintain these ungodly soul ties. And I do this by the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for restoring me to wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. Let me walk in holiness by your grace. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. And you can do it for each one of those things that the Holy Spirit will bring into remembrance. And if you're not sure, do them anyway. And you'll find that some of them that you think are not a big deal are some of the most difficult to get freed from and some of them that were the worst are the easiest and every gambit in between. Know this, that you are to be led by the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. Your spirit man is king. Your soul is servant and your body is slave. Your body, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, your flesh will never inherit the kingdom of God. But you're going to get a new body. But we honor our bodies and we keep them holy. Your spirit is king, your soul is servant, and your body is slave. Your body, your flesh is not your king. Paul says, I die to the old nature daily. Final word, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. The word I in the original Greek language is the word ago, where we get our word ego from. My ego is crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we are crucified with Christ. We are crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ Jesus who lives in us. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. So we recognize, we repent, we renounce, and we resist. And that's how we get free from soul ties. And we become all we are called to be in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for showing us the tools to freedom. And we renounce and break every soul tie. And we receive freedom in Jesus' name. Show us how to operate in our private prayer time that we might be free because your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 